God, we love you. You are, you are so good. You are so faithful. And uh, God, I, I thank you that we can know you and we can be known by you, that you are the God of the universe, that you are uh, creator of all things. You are sovereign over all things. And, and yet you want to know us intimately. And so, God, I'm so grateful for that. And God, I pray that we would just be able to really sit in the weight of that uh, in this time, that we can know you and you know us. And if we trust you, we are your children and you deeply care for us and you want the best for us. And so, wow, God, I'm so grateful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And God, I want to thank you for uh, what you did in the hearts of these, these middle school students uh, this past week. And God, I pray that you would keep moving them or that they would get discipleship. Uh, poured into them, that they would really grow strong in you. They would grow in sanctification and holiness, as we talked about last week here. God, do your work in those guys and their hearts, Lord. And uh, Lord, may they go to school tomorrow, just be prepared uh, and, and ready for uh, just standing uh, up for Christ and, and understanding that you gave it all for us and for them to, to, to really stand up for you and to raise the flag uh, like young Daniel did. And in the Old Testament, Lord, that they could do that, and you would bless them for that. And so, God, I just commit them to you, Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray for their churches. Uh, you know our, our heart as a church is for New England. And so as these students scatter from, from Maine to, to Massachusetts and New Hampshire, Lord, would you just really do a great work all over uh, New England, Father. Lord, we just commit them into your hands, God. And, uh, Lord, we pray for our college students as they're starting to trickle back from spring break. Lord, just, just uh, bring them back ready to finish this semester strong. Uh, stand faithfully for Christ, Lord, uh, to see their campuses turned upside down. Father, we just commit them into your hands. Lord, bring them safely back to us again uh, next week, God. We just commit them uh, to you. And Father, I pray for my, 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 my family, my, my brothers and sisters in Christ in this room, Lord. May we continue to grow uh, in our relationships with one another. May we continue to grow in our, our uh, ability to, to connect with our community and to see West Boston just, just turned upside down for for your name, for your renown, for your glory, for your kingdom on earth. We pray that it would come on earth. Your will would be done here as it is in heaven. And God, may you use us to be a part of that, Father. And so, Lord, we love you. Uh, we thank you for uh, this time we have together this morning. Be honored. And uh, we, we, we ask that you would illuminate your scriptures to our hearts and to our minds that we might apply them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Philippians chapter 4 is where we're going to be um, this weekend. And I will say this. Um, I've been hanging around middle schoolers all week, and so if, you know, like a Justin Bieber joke or something slips out, I apologize. I know it's like, you don't, yeah, I just, we've been hanging around middle schoolers, but uh, I will say this, yeah, uh, tonight's going to be a little more teachy and less preachy, and so uh, there's a lot of good recap uh, in what we look at tonight uh, from what we've been in in all of uh, Philippians, and so Philippians chapter 4 is where we're going to be. Uh, in your uh, seats here, there's, there's some Bibles, and if you don't have a Bible of your very own and you found one in your seat, and uh, there's also some in the back there. If you don't have one of your very own, would you take that home? That's our gift to you. We would love for you to have uh, a copy of uh, God's Word uh, in your, your hands. That would be really cool. So throughout this, uh, this book, this is a letter that the Apostle Paul has, has written to this church that he started in, in, in Philippi. And uh, we have a, a letter, just a real intimate letter from him to them and, and, and from God to us uh, here that we're looking at. And so for those of you who are kind of unfamiliar, and just to maybe really catch us all up to speed a little bit about this book and about Paul and his ministry, uh, nine of the 27 uh, New Testament books are letters uh, of instruction from Paul uh, to the churches, many of which 
uh, he started himself with his, his ministry team. And so uh, this letter is, is one to the, the church in the city of Philippi, this European city, a church that he started again about 10 years prior. Uh, the, the letter has a few purposes, and, and, and so one of the purposes is that he gives a lot of people updates. We'll see some of that uh, today, that, that he's letting them know different things uh, that are happening uh, with regards to some of the relationships that they have. These, these you know, Google Plus, right, the circle thing, they, they have circles that kind of overlap. And so, uh, like, he, he's let them know already that, that their friend and church member, Epaphroditus, who was ill nearly to the point of death, he, he's let them know that, that God has spared him. He's alive. He's all better. So he lets them know that. Uh, he lets them know that, that he has every intention of sending Timothy, uh, this, this disciple of his, uh, to, to minister to them. Uh, and then, as we'll see tonight, he, he talks a little bit about this little conflict that's happening inside of their little church. And so he addresses a couple of ladies. I don't know why it's always the ladies. I'm just saying. It's not the ladies. It's us two. Anyhow, he addresses that. Another thing that he does with the letter is he encourages them to, you know, stay strong and continue to progress in their faith. And so as he talks about the progression of their faith and as he talks about growing up in their faith, he, he addresses uh, theology uh, all along the way. And so there's all kinds of good theology. And uh, we, we'll see here that uh, it appears as though Paul has uh, uh, visited them sometimes, after, several times after his initial trip back in Acts 17 when he started the church. Uh, but we can also see that he, he really wants to go back. He wants to teach them uh, more. But he is currently, as, while he's writing this letter, he's a prisoner in Rome, likely under uh, the, the infamous uh, uh, Roman emperor Nero. And so uh, Paul, throughout uh, this letter, is teaching them and, and encouraging them uh, in written format because he can't be there with them right now because he's, uh, he's in chains. And then that kind of leads us to our, our third uh, purpose of the letter, and that is that it's just a big, nice thank you note to this church. Since he's a, a prisoner of, of likely of Nero uh, in, in Rome, um, there, for, for this church that, that he's so deeply connected with in Philippi, it, it really would carry this social stigma. Like the guy that started your church, like he got locked up? What's going on? And so there was kind of this big stigma going on. And they could have easily said, oh, yeah, we're just going to not, we don't know Paul anymore. But they continue to, 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 to know him and to love him and to care for him and, and to support him. In fact, they're kind of keeping him alive while he's in Rome. They're, they're sending care packages and they're sending food and supplies and and money so that he can be fed because the way it worked in Rome is they would have just let him die there but they kept him alive and so Paul sends them this letter also in part as just his big old thank you like I'm so thankful and so next week as we cover the the second half of this chapter we'll see a lot of the thank you uh that that Paul is talking about uh to 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 them uh but what we want to see tonight is that he's he's telling them I want you However, I want you to be thankful uh, to God. And so that's what we're going to kind of look at tonight. We've been, we've been calling this series uh, Unconventional uh, Joy. And it's because uh, in, in this letter, we hear the words joy and rejoice, rejoice over and over and over again. In fact, this is uh, really kind of Paul's most chipper letter of all the, the letters that he writes to the church, which is kind of crazy because, again, he's, he's locked up right now. He's uh, under Roman uh, Emperor Nero. And, and you remember Nero, right? Nero is that infamous persecutor of the church, the one who would uh, take Christians and cover them with pitch or with tar and then put them out on stakes in his courtyard and, and, and set them afire as human torches. And, and somehow Paul is chipper and he's saying, rejoice, praise God, God is good. And I'm thinking, what? Are you serious? That's incredible. And so I want to learn 
from this guy. And, and, and he's got death looming over his head. And he's constantly saying, rejoice, rejoice, give thanks. God is good. So you ready for it? Let's look at verses 1, 2, and 3, if we can. Verse 1, therefore, my brothers, whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Judea and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in uh, the book of life. And so uh, last week we we did look at verse 1, kind of towards the end of the the gathering. Uh, So it's kind of the tail end of of chapter 3, as you can kind of see how they they phrase it out here in in your translations of the scripture. but uh, and, and in chapter 3, if you remember, Paul tells them, press on, press on, keep pushing forward. And that's why we see that word, uh, therefore. And so we connect it to chapter 3. Uh, and, and so he says, in light of your citizenship in heaven, chapter 3, press on and stand firm. So it's a tail in there. But it's also very crucial to what we look at uh, tonight. It's crucial to chapter uh, 4 as well. Because in verses 1, 2, and 3, what Paul's going to do is he's going to establish to them, hey, I love you. I love you. Deeply. So verse 1, what does he say? He says, I love you. You are my spiritual family. You are my children. You are my brothers and sisters. I love you, right? He, he has also told us in this book that he longs for them. He yearns for them. In, in chapter 1, uh, verse 8, I yearn for you. I, I just, I yearn for you. You're my joy. You're my crown. Uh, and he, he says, I miss you. I'm, I'm in prison. I just want deeply your, your fellowship. I, I just long for you. And, 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 and so that's what we uh, see throughout the course of, of this letter. And, 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 and here we see that his, his kind of his crowning achievement is, is their spiritual success, right? He's establishing that. And, and that their, their, their conversion coming to faith in Jesus and their continued spiritual uh, success is his crowning achievement. And it brings him great, great joy. And can I just say, I'll just make a little aside here. I can relate with Paul in that. You know, I love you guys. And, 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 and second to the spiritual success of my wife and her growth and my children and and their growth i I just totally relate with him and and, and just say my my crowning achievement uh is 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 your spiritual growth and your success in the lord that would be a joy for me that i would grow old here by god's grace and and see this grow up to just a strong congregation that we would lay down deep gospel roots and so uh, i i can just really uh resonate with him that we would be a, a, a biblically faithful transformational, deeply connected, and, and deeply engaging community of Christians here in, in West Boston. That's, that's joy for me. I, I, would, I would love that, watching you guys grow in the Lord. And, and so that, that for me is what, what uh, fills my eyes up with tears. It's what keeps me up at, at night, weighs heavy on my heart just about uh, every single day. And so it's, it's, it's something that I, I just, man, I, I strive for that. And, and Paul, he loves him. It's further evidenced by verses 2 and 3, if you want to look back there, uh, where, where what he starts to do is he, he speaks to this disagreement between two ladies in this church, right? These two ladies are having this little disagreement, and uh, we, we know that he's, he's worked with them, so they're, they're, they're Christians, right? Christians, you know, we have issues sometimes, right? And that happens, and so they're, they're, they're faithful, they've worked with him in, in ministry, and, 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 and so he kind of starts to handle some of the business there, and we don't even get all the details, wouldn't you love the juicy details, right, some good Bible gossip, but he doesn't even give that, he just kind of says, let's go to a third party here, mediator, he says, let's solve uh, this issue, right, let's, let's solve it. And so what, what that really does is it, it further helps to show us that, listen, he loves these people, 
He, he wants them to be uh, unified. He wants them to, to, to grow strong and, and to be healthy as a congregation. He just loves them. And, and, and so now we get into uh, the command. But before we get into the command, I, I will say this. Do, do you see how things are, are kind of working here? You see what Paul's uh, doing? You know, if, I'll say it this way. If somebody uh, comes up to you and says, hey, you know I love you, right? You brace yourself because you know something's coming, right? And, uh, uh, you know, that, that's kind of how it typically means. Like, a true story for me as a, as a kid, I remember um, my mom had this porcelain nativity uh, scene set thing that she would put on top of the piano, and they were, like, big, uh, you know, pieces of a porcelain nativity set. And I remember um, she kept it up just about all year long. She just loved it so much. And I was always like, Mom, it's not Christmas. Get it down. But she kept it up. And so... Uh, to show her, no, not to show her, but I, we were playing hide-and-go-seek with some friends at the house one day, and uh, I, I remember climbing over the piano because it was kind of like uh, catty corner, right, in, in a corner, and so I climbed over the piano, and so I had to go up to my mom and say, Mom, you know I love you, right? She's like, yes, Joshua. I'm always Joshua. Yes, Joshua. I said, well, you know, uh, you know Joseph, <laughs> the porcelain Joseph? Here's his body and here's his head. <laughs> and it's Joshua. But, so you see how it works, right? You, you know I love you. Here's something difficult. And, and so that, you know, that's kind of what Paul's doing. Hey, you, you know I love you. Uh, I, I care for you. He establishes that. And, and can I say for us as, as Christians, that's a really, really good practice. Like, listen, we should be uh, a people who exhort each other. That means we, we encourage each other in the scriptures and say, I I encourage you to live according to the scripture. You know, I love you. You know, I want the best for you. We should really uh, establish that, that we, we love people and care for them before we go and whack them over the head with the Bible, right? We should establish that. And, and so that's, that's kind of what Paul does here. He challenges them, but first he says, listen, I love you. I care for you. Let's work out some stuff because I love you. Let's, let's work out this issue with the ladies. And I, I, you know, I love you. If you don't do that and you go straight up to somebody, and they don't have any idea that you love them. You haven't shown it. You haven't lived it. You don't tell it. You don't express it. You just go straight up to them. No grace. You just whack them with the Bible. Walls go up, right? But if you can establish, I love you, I care for you, they want uh, your exhortation because they know you love them. You love them. Oftentimes what I'll find is that maybe a, a couple days, a few weeks, sometimes months go by, and they're like, they're upset with you. But in time, if you've shown it, you have a history Oftentimes they come around and say, you know what, now that I realize it, I'm starting to realize, yeah, they, they do love me, and, and they come around. So Paul does that, right? I love you. I love you. Now, here's where we start to get in, into the, the challenge. Look at verses 4 and 7. He established he loves them. Here's where it gets difficult. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. I, I love that verse. That's like a family verse for us. Can I just say that? That's uh, one of those uh, songs we sing with our children all the time. You know, our children, we love this song, and so it's rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. Remember the clap? And so we'll go through, we have this little note card, stack of note cards that we go through Bible memory verses with my children, and uh, all the verses, they're, they're pretty good at them, and then when we get to this, uh, this particular verse, they'll, they'll quote it, not sing it, they'll quote it, but then for whatever reason, they'll always clap. I love it. So a uh, great verse here, rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, again, I will say rejoice. Uh, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now, this is good. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is good stuff. This is the command that uh, follows the I love you. Now, I told you it would be difficult, uh, his command. Rejoice in the Lord. You're thinking, what are you talking about? What's, what's difficult uh, about that? Uh, rejoicing in the Lord is not finding happiness, right? Rejoicing in the Lord is not outward pleasure. Re- rejoicing in the Lord I- I- is not receive good circumstances. Uh, uh, rejoicing in the Lord is not just these, these things that we think, uh, you know, are, are those things that bring joy and happiness and, and pleasure. Uh, that's, that's not rejoicing. Rejoicing in the Lord is finding deep-rooted commitment, finding joy that's not rooted in our, our, our circumstances, but joy that is rooted in the Lord and who He is and, and what He's done and, and what He's doing and what He says He will do. It's kind of this settling in your spirit because you trust Him despite your circumstance, right? Rejoicing in the Lord uh, is, is deeply related to trusting in the Lord. Joy and trust are, are deeply, deeply related. And, and the reason that this is difficult is because we are emotional beings, right? I mean, we are emotional beings. And so we tend to, to ride on, on the ways of, of life's circumstances. And so, uh, as I've said all along throughout the course of this, uh, this series, that for, for us, typically, when, when life deals us a good hand, Things are good, uh, we're joyful, right, what we think is joy, we're all smiles, but when life deals us a, a, a bad hand, we're oftentimes a mess and we don't get it and we're, we're, we're struggling and that's kind of, you know, kind of understandable. And I, let, me put it, let me put it this way, um, people, and, and, and I think even Christians are kind of like a boat at drift at sea. I think we all are. Like we're emotional beings by God's design. And so we're, we're like a boat adrift at sea and, and we're kind of floating on the ways of, of life's circumstances, and it messes with our emotions, and, and we can't oftentimes help that. But, but what can happen is, uh, as life's storms come our way, uh, and, and huge waves start to come, and they will, by the way, what can happen is we start to, to drift, right? And we start to get further and further and further. And, and, and many people, when storms come their way, they drift and can get really far from God, and they can, they can drift from, from God, and, and I just don't want to see that happen. Now, you know that I beat this drum uh, a lot, and I don't want to apologize because I know I'm confident the storms are coming your way. I'm kind of bracing myself for it. I, I know it, it, it's coming, and, and maybe the months ahead, the years ahead, I don't know, but it, it's coming our, our way, and I just want to ensure that when they come, we're still walking with God, that we don't drift when it comes. And, and so I want you to be storm ready. I want you to be storm ready. Not storm proof, because you can't help. They're coming. But storm uh, ready. And, 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 and God uh, sends or, or allows storms to come. He doesn't always send them, but he, he certainly, if he's sovereign over all things, he, he, he can allow them uh, to come. And so rather than drifting, you know, what Paul is kind of saying is, there, you know, there's a better way. And, and that is not Get, get, get out of the boat and you're not having to face it because, no, that's life. But the better way is that you can let God serve as your anchor, right? And so, yeah, you're going to be emotional. Yeah, you're going to be up and down. Yeah, things are tough. Yeah, things are crazy. Yeah, you feel the rocking in your life, but you don't drift because you're anchored uh, in the Lord, that your joy is not in your circumstances, but your joy is in the deep-rooted Lord, and that anchor is sunk deep into the to the ground and so your joy is not in circumstances your joy 
is in the, the Lord. And if your joy is in your circumstances, I've told you this all the time uh, throughout the course of this series, if your joy is in your circumstances, are there going to be times when you're happy? Sure. But you know what? When it comes, and it's coming, you're going to feel it as we all do, but you're going you're gonna to drift and, and, and you're going to start to question the goodness of God and maybe even question the existence of God because you're not really rooted in, in him. And so I, I just want to see us rooted so that uh, when, he, he, when, when it comes, you say, he's got me. I feel it, no doubt, I feel it, but I'm confident that, that I'm not moving. I'm confident that God is there, he's got me. I'm feeling it, but he's got me. And so you're ready for uh, relational heartache that's going to come your way. You're ready for uh, sickness that's coming for you or a loved one. You're ready for death, for tragedy, job loss, financial uh, turmoil. And when we do that, that kind of joy that, that keeps us rooted, we're rooted in the Lord, that, man, that is uh, unexplainable joy. It is, it is unconventional joy. And so Paul says, always, always, always rejoice in the Lord. And again, I will say rejoice. So he's really driving that point home. And, uh, you know, this, this is probably, uh, it was probably a pretty difficult uh, command to deliver. It doesn't sound like it, but, you know, it was probably a difficult uh, command to deliver. Uh, you know, to someone in a, in, a, in a tough circumstance to say, hey, rejoice in the Lord. Doesn't it kind of feel like shallow until you start to really get it in that way? Sometimes it, it might come across like, hey, suck it up, right? Smile. And, and, and I just want to make sure we see that, no, it's much deeper than that. Be rooted in the Lord. And, you know, for, for some in the Philippian church, it might even initially feel like he's saying, uh, you know what? I know you're upset because I'm in prison. They loved him. They were upset by that. We're kind of outside of that, but I mean, your brother is in prison, right? That, man, that, and, and he might be killed for his faith. I and mean, they're feeling that. And it may feel initially like he's just saying, suck it up and smile. And, 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 and he's not saying that at all. He's not. He's saying, listen, you're rooted in the Lord. Uh, I'm not being insensitive. I'm not being just trite. I'm, I, I really, there, there's much more to this. And, and I love this letter for that reason. And I pray that we're, we're getting that. We're, we're, we're really getting that. He goes on. Look at verse 5. He says, let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now, what, what are we talking about here? The, the, the word uh, reasonableness in, in the scriptures here can can be uh, translated also in the original language, uh, gentleness or uh, forbearance or graciousness. So let your gentleness, let your forbearance, let your graciousness uh, be made known to everyone in your church. The Lord is at hand. What he's talking about is how we as, as believers are to relate with each other, right? We are to be reasonable, gracious, gentle, forbearing, loving with everyone. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. Uh, God is coming. He's coming back for us. And so don't let him come and find us in discord, right? Like Judea and Syntyche. Like don't let uh, him find us in that way. Instead, let's rejoice in him together, right? T- together. Let's be reasonable and rejoice in the Lord, not individually, but together and, and be strengthened in, in that. And so this is, this is, this is the, the nitty-gritty of being a church he's talking about here. He's kind of pulling away from just the big, deep theology. He's just saying, listen, got to be unified, guys. we got to be unified. we got to be unified so that when it comes, and it's coming, storms, that, that we're, we're strengthened together. And then when he comes, good news, he comes back for us. He doesn't find us in discord. And so 
Uh, Be ready. Be ready. Now, he presses even deeper. Look at verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Did you hear that? Right? Do not be anxious about anything. It's a command. Listen, anxiety is, is not simply a disorder to be diagnosed. It's a sin to be repented of. Be anxious for nothing. Do not be anxious about anything. Because anxiety is a lack of trust in, in the Lord. Where, where we're saying, I'm carrying my burden. I'm, I'm, I'm taking care of this. I'm trusting in self. And, and what it really is, is, is really complete opposite to the, the ultimate premise of, of the Christian faith that, that we trust in Jesus and He did what we can't do. Where, where we cast our cares on Him because He cares for us, First Peter 5, 7, right? It's, it's the complete opposite of that, saying, I'm anxious, I, I, I'm trying to bear this, and, and, and I'm saying this to you guys, not just kind of just throwing it out there. I'm saying this as a guy who has a history of anxiety. I mean, I am an anxious person. Right? I've never seen a specialist to, to, to have them say, that's an anxiety attack, but I'll tell you this. I think I know what an anxiety uh, attack is. I have a proclivity uh, to anxiety, but I'll stand up here and confess to you, it is a sin. It is a, a sin. And, and I just want to confess that to you. James chapter 5, uh, 16 tells us to confess our sins one to another so that we may be healed. And so I'm seeking a little bit of healing in this by just throwing it out there. That's, that's a sin that I, I struggle with, anxiety. And so, uh, it, you know, for Paul here, it's, you know, it's one thing to, to, to preach this, but it's, a, it's another thing to live this. And he's preaching it, yeah, but we also know that he's, he's living it, right? He, and he's, he's preaching it from, from firsthand experience. I mean, he's in the thick of it. And he's saying, be anxious uh, for nothing. Be anxious for uh, nothing. And one thing I've found as, I'm, as I, I've been preaching different topics over the, the course of the, the couple years we've, we've started this church, one thing I've found is, is, is when I'm preaching on a specific topic, God likes to make sure that I wrestle with that throughout the course of the week. And uh, so I, sometimes I'm like, all right, we're not going to talk about death this week because I don't know like this so it's it's tough and and I tell you even the course of this week I find myself struggling with anxiety and uh I found myself uh a couple nights just waking up in the middle of the night and just not being able to go back to sleep and just feeling like this heavy uh weight is upon me and having to really put into practice what I knew I would be preaching to you and uh we'll get into that in a second Uh, that's why verse 9 he says what you have heard and seen in me practice these things he knows more than his words uh the greatest sermon he can preach is his actions and uh it's it's beautiful verse six be anxious uh for nothing or do not be anxious about anything second half but here's here's uh what we do here's the uh the the victory he says but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to god so listen do not be anxious instead Here's what you do. Here's your uh, counteractive uh, a- activity to, to counteract anxiety. He says, instead, prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, right? Uh, this, is, this is a verse that I probably more than any other verse in the Bible, I quote often. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I quote it, then I go practice it, right? In the middle of the night this week, that's what I've been I've been doing. And prayer is, is really the, the general act of coming to God. Prayer, the, the approach. And then supplication is actually giving the, 
the request, whatever it is that's on your heart, whatever it is you find yourself anxious about, whether it's uh, an illness, whether it's uh, financial issues, issues with work, uh, relational issues, issues with your, your children, on and on and on. Uh, you, prayer, you approach the Lord, supplication, you, you give him that request, you hand it over to him. And so I ask you this, is that the first thing you do? Because I think we all struggle with anxiety at some point in our lives. Some as often as I do, maybe others not. But when it, when it comes, you find yourself struggling and worrying and anxious over something. It's the first thing you do, prayer, supplication, you, God, here it is. Or, or maybe some of us men here, first thing we do is we, all right, what are we going to do? We've got to fix it. We've got to do this, do this, 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 and this instead of let's pray, right? Or when you find your spouse or somebody you're in a relationship with, you say, all right, well, here's what I think you should do. And give, or do you say, let's pray together for this, right? Let's, let's co-exercise uh, this this scripture. I love that. And so be challenged by that. I'm, I'm always challenged by that. I want to fix it. But maybe I need to let God fix it and, and, and go to him uh, first. He might call me to fix it and tell me what to do, but I want to give it to him first. And so be mindful of that. Now, he doesn't leave it at that. Prayer, supplication, but he goes on. We don't simply just give him our request, but what are we to do? He says, I also want you to give it to me, and then I want you to go straight to prayers of thanksgiving. Straight to prayers of thanksgiving. See, here's, here's where most Christians are at. And I, I pray that God would change that in us. Like draw a big circle around this little church building and I pray that he would start it in us. Most Christians are all about prayers of request. God, I'd like this. God, give me this. Fix this. God, God, this, this, this. And, and he's saying, I don't want just simply prayers of want, but prayers of worship. Prayers of worship. God, you are this. God, I've seen you do this. God, you are, you are, you have. Thank you, Lord. Prayers of, of, of worship. And he began to acknowledge who he is and, and what he's done and what he says he will do. And we start to pray on that. Give it to him. And then began to, to, to worship him. Prayers of thanksgiving. Like I said, most recited verse in my life. And because of that, I find myself just about every time I pray, opening with God, I thank you for whatever it is. And I think that's probably a good way for us uh, to pray, right? Um, there's so much power in practicing uh, this, this kind of prayer, right? We're thinking on his gifts. We're, we're, we're thinking on who he is and, and, and what he does. And uh, you know what happens is when you're thinking on the, the, the prayers of worship, when you're worshiping him in that regard, you know what happens? What are you not thinking on? You're not thinking on the problem. Remember as a kid trying to do that, like trying to think it, have you ever done that? Maybe I'm just the only crazy one. Trying to think, Two things at the same time, like just doing that in your head. Okay, maybe I, the way you're looking, I think I'm crazy. So I did that, and uh, I, I, can't, I can't make it happen, right? He's saying, listen, Thanksgiving, and when you're thanking the Lord and, and thinking on the Lord, what you're not thinking about is, is the, the problem, right? And so prayers of Thanksgiving are, are powerful, and they lead to, they lead to joy. And so uh, in order for... That, that joy to really become a reality in your heart. Because we've been talking about it throughout the course of this, this series. Uh, we need to really get our minds on God and his gifts. And we need our prayer life and our, our worship life not to be me-centered, but it's worship. It needs to be God-centered. Uh, and, and so the result is, verse 7, what is it? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus. And so the result is really the opposite of anxiety. The result is, if you practice this, it's 
peace, he says. Uh, and, and so uh, it's just a beautiful thing. Our, 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 our joy and, and our peace as Christians in the midst of our trials and our struggles and the difficulties of life, it's really uh, hard for, for non-Christians to get us. That's why it says it, it surpasses all understanding. And uh, we, we've seen it. You've seen it. You see it every day. People striving for all kinds of things for, for joy, reaching after all kinds of things for, for peace, uh, to, to really go after everything. I mean, Solomon, read Ecclesiastes. He went after everything under the sun, right, to really fulfill the inner turmoil. And he came back to the end of my, his life and he said, I was going after the wrong things. It's, it's the Lord. It's, it's the Lord. And so God's saying, look, you look at me, you look at me, and, and with thankfulness in your heart, you find peace. You find lasting joy. Uh, and, and, and he says, I love this. This is good. He says, my peace and my joy will guard your heart. Will, will guard your mind. It stands guard over you. When you have God's peace, it, it stands guard over you. In other words, it keeps you from drifting from the Lord. It guards you. When you have peace and, and the joy of God, it keeps you from the, the wickedness that comes when you start to turn from God. And so he's saying, listen, focus on him, who he is, and it will keep you, right? It will keep you in the Lord. It will keep you from drifting. Now, last two verses of our section tonight. And, and, and then we're going to have an opportunity to, to really live this out together in just a moment here. But look at verses 8 and 9. Look at verses 8 and 9. He says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I love this. I love this. Apostle Paul in his, his, his writings, he's a lister. He lists things all the time. He, he said, I'm going to say it this way, I'm going to say it this way, I'm going to say it this way, I'm going to say it this way. He would have made a, made a great second grade teacher, right? Yeah, I'm going to say it over and over in different ways so that you get it, right? I'm going to let you see it uh, uh, or hear it. I'm going to let you see it in my life. I'm going to tell you, live it out, practice it. And so he's going to make sure that they get it. He would be an excellent teacher. And in fact, he was. He lists all these things, all these things. He says, Think on these things. Think about these things. Verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So the call here is to put it into practice, to, to think on these things, to, to, to think on the things, what he's saying is think on the things that inspire worship. To get your minds to all these things that inspire worship. Uh, worship, right? To take what we have learned from Paul here and we've seen Paul even do himself and practice them. Even today, practice them. And so here's how we're going to close. This is what we're going to do tonight. Uh, I felt like God laid this in my heart uh, the other day. Um, I just want to practice it rather than just saying, hey, go do this tomorrow. Let's do this right now. Can we do that? And so we've got to stand here. We're going to put a mic here. And uh, I just want to practice it. I, I want to give you the chance. I know we got students coming back for spring break. They got some things. I know they got some things to share. And uh, I know you got some things that you want to thank God for. And so uh, I'm going to pray. And uh, I'm going to give you guys the chance to come up and think on these things. I pray that the exercise will be more than an exercise, that it will really encourage some people, those of you who are anxious, that you can see God is good, God is at work. And, and so whatever God is maybe putting in your heart that you just want to share and praise him for, thank him for, We'll do it. Can we do that? So let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are, for who we are in you. God, you have so blessed us. You are a giver of good gifts. 
I thank you, Lord. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. God, I could, I could, I could thank you for so much uh, right now. And I, I just want us to, to, in this time, Lord, honor you. And so be honored, be glorified, uh, be lifted up, Father. And uh, Lord, we, we, we just pray that, that you would encourage our hearts as we think about who you are and, and how able and capable you are. And, and, and God, if there is anything that's burdening our hearts, and I'm sure uh, there are all kinds of things in, in this room, Lord, that we commit them to you, Lord. We pray that you would take them and, and you would uh, just show us that you are, are sovereign over these things. And so we, we hand them to you. Financial issues, they're yours, God. Money is yours, Lord. We, we, we just steward it. And so, God, we, we, we trust you with those things. Issues at work, we give them to you, God. Our families, our relational struggles, they're yours, God. Our, our, our things that are happening in our hearts, Lord, they're yours. Our health, it's yours, God. Do with it as you wish. We we. We are, are lifting up supplication. It's yours, God. And now, God, we want to we thank you. And so, God, this is your time. Be honored. Encourage. Please, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.